ever get in a position at work that you were looking and hoping to be in? Well, it happened to me, and I'm going to tell you all about it. My name is Phil, and this is The Lip. Hey everyone, it's Phil, and you're listening to The Lip. This is going to be an interesting story for me to tell today. It's, I would have to say, the um, the summit of my work in the auto industry. This is probably the peak, the top, where it all ended up. How it ended up, the final stop that I have made in the auto shop world. How I got there where it all came to play and how it ended. It literally was kind of like a uh, a flash in the pan, say. A very short period of time, but it seemed like it was longer because it had a lot of very, very good and it had a lot of very, very bad. All really compacted into a very small period of time. And I'm rapidly approaching the time period when it all started. It's kind of interesting. It was in March, towards the end of March, when it all ended. And it's kind of funny that we're just at the beginning of March now. I wanted to tell this story as part of a story, but then as I started putting my notes together, it turned out that Realistically, there's just too much. There's way too much. I couldn't condense it like I do my stories and create um, a small burst and and um, focus the whole thing in one little area. And only way I could put it out is by giving it its own episode. I'm not gonna tell you what shop it was. You can make inferences if you like and. You probably wouldn't be too far off if you had to guess. If you paid attention to how the shops worked in. Um, I'm going to go with the Dragnet theme here. I'm going to change the names to protect the innocent. But realistically, I'm not even going to give any names. I'm just going to infer to positions, at, at people as positions. Um... This is a fun one, I think, because during the time that this process was going on, I can definitely say that I was in a position for the first time to use my schooling from Lincoln Tech in the automotive industry to its fullest potential. And that was a special thing. Not everybody gets to use their schooling to, to their fullest potential. Sometimes they get to tap into pieces of it here and there, but other times there are those exceptions where people literally go to school for something and they're able to utilize every single aspect of what they were taught. All that money they spent was now actually going to be used. And for me, that's exactly what this final stop in the automotive industry for me ended up being. It really was the, uh, I guess you could say, 
the pinnacle of everything that I had done before between schooling and other shops I had worked at. It was me at my absolute prime in the industry. If I could phrase it any better way, I, I don't think I could. It would be my prime. And considering the job that I have now, having the experience to have had that prime part in the auto industry and seeing it through and having it end was necessary for me to get to where I am today. Um, I'm not mad about it. At the time, I felt some way, but looking back at it, it was a very quick but fun ride. Lasted about 10 months. But in, like I said before, in those 10 months, it was definitely a roller coaster of extreme highs and extreme lows. And it put me in a position where the experiences I gained maximized the potential that I was working for. And now comes the main event. Ding, ding, ding. It's the main event. And I'm about to talk to you about my final stop in the automotive industry. Um, I said earlier, this was definitely a uh, experience that was literally the peak of my auto industry. I was at the top of my game personally as far as the knowledge that I had and my management skills all coming into one. So I'm going to try not to make this last longer than it has to, although I imagine it might be a bit towards the lengthy side, but I'm going to eliminate a lot of the fluff in between. I'm not going to go into so much detail that it becomes like war and peace, but I definitely am not going to cut it off to like a Dr. Seuss book. I'm going to, going to give it somewhere in between. So without further ado, I'm going to start with the beginning. It started in May of 2015. Um, I've been driving past this particular shop since 2000. Wow. I guess since 2010. And it was relatively close to the apartment that my wife and I had. And it was close to my mother-in-law's house where she had lived for years. Now, I had worked at a couple of different shops at this point, and I didn't even give this place a second thought because I had friends at these other shops, and I just kept moving, kept going past. It's like I got a job, I didn't even think about it. Years went by, and now it's, two, like I said, in 2015, my wife and I had, had a couple kids, and we're now living in my mother-in-law's house, and this shop is even closer than it was when we were in the apartment or within the same limits and at this point in time I was pretty much doing what I like to call my daddy daycare time where I was taking everybody back and forth to work as far as the wife goes taking the kids to their daycare and some at this point in time the two older ones were also going to Head Start so they were going to school for half a day. Now, 
During this time, I hadn't worked in a shop for maybe a year or so. And I was starting to get the itch a little bit. Because it's kind of like an athlete in some ways where you do your sport for so long and you just haven't quite gotten everything out of your system. You want to give it one more run. You want to try to win that championship. You're not, you don't feel like you've completed it yet. And so I looked at that shop that was really close to the house. It was literally a mile and a half away. That's about how much you would walk if you were just going to the grocery store, just going from one end of the store to the other just to get yourself all the groceries you're looking for. It was that close. Now, with the kids, I had to pick them up and drop them off at school, so I had priorities beyond actually working on cars at the time. Money is nice, a little extra money here and there is a good thing, you know, they say, uh, how much money do you need? The answer is typically more. <laughs> so, I decided to give this a little bit of an experiment because it's so close to the house. If I could get the deal that I was looking for, it would be worth doing it, or so I thought. So I went down there just out of curiosity, just to find out what I could, what it was, what was going on in the shop, and maybe figure out what was going on. So I go in there and I ask the manager. Hey, kind of curious. I saw that you were um, you're right over here. Did you need any help, particularly looking for service writers? Because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a service writer. I wanted to write up customers and um, give jobs to the guys in the shop, sell the customers the jobs, and get to get the guys in the shop a little bit of money. I wasn't interested in working on any cars. The manager said, yeah, we could use another service writer. Just put in the application and we'll give you an interview. And so, sure enough, we're going to fast forward through all that process and did the interview. And lo and behold, I got the job. Now, at the time, there was one, two, three, three guys in the shop. Um, a decent mechanic and a guy who was... A fairly decent mechanic and another guy who pretty much was just a an installer or a lower level but had fairly good skills we're not talking about none of these guys were master techs but none of these guys were scrubs either they, they could hold their own they could do a little bit of work now I bought my toolbox and I put it in the shop as well just because I thought that maybe every once in a while I might be able to do something here or there and the manager told me that well on the down low, if you needed something to do on your car, you could bring it in. And occasionally I did. But I was officially a service writer, and my job was to write up customers and sell jobs. That's what I was doing. And the store manager himself was a good guy, young kid. Had his own business a couple times, and then decided to move on and work for somebody else. A little less pressure on. So I understand that. 
We also had a very good assistant manager who was there as well, who had been a store manager at other shops from time to time, and he just landed here and took the assistant manager's role. And from him, I gained a lot of insight as far as how to interact with the outside parts vendors, because unlike one of the other shops I worked at, I'll call it that boy, so now you know this isn't the shop I'm working at. FF Boys, we had our whole department where we had parts, so we could just get the stuff off the shelf. We had to go to outside vendors in order to get parts. He showed me the process, this assistant manager did, and he worked me through it and told me who to call, when to call, which places that are local that we used, and we were able to get good deals on better than other places. And I learned a great deal from him. Now, the shop wasn't really working at a high level. There was a lot of dead time. Not that it was totally slow. We had some people who were okay, and we got some customers. And granted, we had high-end customers, which changed the game a little bit because of the, the town we were in. We had a lot of... Uh, we were in such an interesting location because on one side of the street, we had your Honda Civics that were 10 years old and on the other side of the street we had Porsches and yeah Maseratis in fact one time we actually had a Lotus in the shop where they would pretty much pay for anything so we had a weird dichotomy of, of customer base and so for every one of the small jobs one of the people who had the lower end cars who couldn't afford to get their work done, one of those higher-end job people would be able to cover it. So it was, it's very interesting. And that's kind of how May went. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure. There was really... It was a slow shop. And part of the reason was the store manager had a very semi-lackadaisical attitude as far as getting the work done. It was a very relaxed environment and far more relaxed than I had ever been around. And dare I say it was too relaxed. But it was what it was. I was able to take that time in the month of May to really learn a lot. And once I found out how relaxed it was and the fact that it was an environment where, well, you had time to work on your own stuff and I could really get a foothold as far as understanding how the system worked. It was a great opportunity. So I actually called up a friend of mine who just so happened to have been out of work at the time and I suggested to my manager that this guy would be an excellent addition to the shop and he was, most certainly. And we brought him in. And that's really how the month of May ended for me. Come June, um, well, <laughs> the boss that hired me was going through a few things, and we're talking about within a month's time, without getting into extreme detail, um, one of the mechanics that was there before I got there was terminated under some circumstances that I won't go into. The store manager was feeling a little extra pressure and as a result of that pressure he actually left the store himself 
and a new manager was hired from an assistant point from an assistant manager spot and this manager also helped me understand a little bit more about how to like he essentially drove it home that we really needed to tighten up a little bit more in the shop and get the stuff out the door a little bit faster because the previous administration was really really lackadaisical that I mean jobs were getting finished and phone calls weren't necessarily being made for customers to pick up their stuff and thus the ability for us to continue to have repeat customers was diminished because people were feeling that they shouldn't have to wait all day to get an oil change and that's kind of what it was brake job would sit for two days before somebody would pick up their phone and say hey come on you can pick up your car it's really not a good way to run a shop and this new manager who came in changed all this and effectively between this new manager and the assistant manager I was able to hone my craft a little bit more I was able to understand a more focused way of selling things and more efficiently and I helped out the shop in order to move some things along and the guy that I brought in was doing a lot better than the people than one of the guys the one who left and at this point in time we had another guy who was on his way out as well so it's a very good thing that I brought my guy in he helped out a lot July kind of went that same way. Um, we just became a little bit more efficient. We started moving things along a little bit better, and the company itself actually changed ownership throughout the month of July. It had changed from one place to another, and they were buying up a lot of different buildings that were currently occupied, and some of them they closed, some of them they kept. <laughs> based on the efficiency of how the building was working and how the, the, um, the management was running it. Fortunately for us, we kept open because we were in a prime location. Now, our numbers were picking up a little bit. They still weren't quite as effective as they could be. And then August came. Now, one of the other guys in the shop had decided to move on. I'm not mad at him. He made more money. He was It was a good position. And it worked out for his benefit. Now for me, who was the guy who was just a service writer, who decided that it was a good idea to bring his toolbox to the shop, found himself, or found myself, working on cars a lot more frequently than I had anticipated. Now, granted, when I originally came to the shop, I had made a deal with the initial manager who was there that the, the building, the store opened up at 7, and because of me being able to drop off my kids, I made a deal that I could go and drop them off, go get to the building at 9 o'clock, and then at noon, I would take my lunch and I would go pick them up from their daycare, from the, not the daycare, from their, um, from Head Start and then take them to daycare and continue throughout the rest of the day. Uh, the deal was still in place, fortunately, all the way through. 
2016 to August. But now I was working on more cars, which is not part of what I originally assigned myself to do. I was really wanted to just work up in the front. But that was certainly tainted by the fact that they had hired two more assistant managers. So now instead of having one assistant manager and the store manager, there are now three assistant managers and a store manager. And one of the shop guys had left. So the service writer, me, ended up going out into the shop. So now I would occasionally go up and I would write up a customer, but much less frequency than what I was doing prior. And I would be doing more oil changes and alignments and brake jobs than I had anticipated, which was zero. And I ended up doing probably two, three a day. And this was a negative on a lot of ways because I was a service writer, which meant that I was getting paid on a different scale than I was if I was in the shop full time. To break it down, as a service writer, I had an hourly wait, and that's what I was making. Now, by being in the shop, we didn't use flat rate, but depending on how many jobs you worked and between parts and labor, you could get a little extra money on the back end. And I wasn't going to get a part of any of that extra money because, well, I wasn't in the system for it. So I gave the money to the other people that I was working with in order for them to get their thing because I couldn't do it. So I put it under their name so that they could actually benefit where I couldn't. And that started to wear on me. I was doing essentially something for nothing and that wasn't what I wanted to do at all. And September comes around and the store starts being opened on Sundays, whereas previously the store was closed every Sunday. And now the store is open on Sundays. The same time would be open on Saturdays, which of course the hours on, sa on Saturdays were, um, I can't remember what it was, but it closed at 5. And it closed at 5 on Sunday as well. It opened early and it closed late. It closed at 5. And that's how it worked now that the store was open on Sat on Sundays. At the same time, on Thursdays, which is something that I would have to say was a good thing, the shop now had a late night. Now, anybody who knows just any industry at all, it's good to have a late night. Working what I like to call the proverbial banker's hours, a nine to five, after that point, there's nothing really to do. Now, if you have a late night, especially in a shop, you might not be able to get parts. But if the parts are there, sometimes there's been nights when working in shops where, oh, it's closing time, we're not going to be able to finish it, and you have to call the, um, the car's owner and let them know that we're not going to be able to finish it tonight, we're going to have to finish it tomorrow, and you'll be able to pick it up then. Now, with Thursday being a late night closing at 8.30, we had the ability to work on a car later. We weren't going to get any more parts, but if we had the stuff there or it took longer to get there and it came at the end of the night, maybe like 4 or 5 o'clock, we could still work on that car up until 8.30 and finish it and potentially have the customer out the door that day. It's a good thing. It was. However, I was set myself up for failure because 
Now, I'm doing a lot more of this work, and the other people have chosen not to work on Sundays. It's just not what they want to do. And so, I was there in the shop working on cars on Sunday, and I was the only person on the cars, and there was an assistant manager and a manager in the building, and they weren't touching them. So now here is the ultimate deal breaker beginning to happen. I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, I'm working on all these cars, but I wouldn't want to work on any. I'm a mile and a half away from the house. I don't need this. I'm really thinking about quitting. Towards the end of September, beginning of October, one of those assistant managers had left. And he was the one that was there when I first got there. One of the two other new assistant managers also left. But that was fine because pretty much nobody in the shop got along with him and we were all glad he was gone. But the other assistant manager always had a great rapport with him. I enjoyed working with him and he talked me into staying. And because I actually believed in him, I did. So in the month of October, the manager had left. They replaced him with that sewer manager who is the assistant manager that I had the rapport with and now he is the sewer manager. I was then elevated to assistant manager and we brought in another assistant manager. So it was the, the manager, me as an assistant, and another guy. We had come up with a, a good little setup. My guy that I had brought in was still there and very effective. And we also had a, another guy who was there as well. The guy who was there from the beginning in the shop, the better of the mechanics. So we had two pretty strong mechanics out in the shop, but just those two. So the, our burden was not to overburden them, and we were very successful in doing it. We were able to make them uh, a fair amount of money and not kill them. Now in this time, I'm going to consider it almost a golden age because one of the new assistants that was hired, not the, the assistant that became manager, but one of the new assistants, he was able to bring in a guy that he worked with at his other shop. So we had a lower level guy and two good, strong, solid guys. We would throw the lower level stuff to the guy that he brought and the stronger guys would handle some heavier things. And we were doing our thing. It was working out really well. And now in order to really isolate and solidify the whole deal was what made me over happy was the fact that in October, we were still open on Saturday, on Sundays, I made it the arrangement with the other with the other, the other managers. Like, you know what? I'll open up the shop because I'm only a mile and a half away, and I'll do an oil change here or there. We worked it out amongst ourselves that on Saturday, we're not going to cash out all of the shop, all of the work that we're doing in the shop. We're going to leave maybe two or three of the fairly decent jobs, and I would let the customers know that oh, we're not quite finished with them, even though we were, and I would leave them in the shop and cash them out on Sunday so that it registered that we were putting in money on Sunday. So I would do a few oil changes, maybe two. I would work on my own truck, and then I would push out two or three jobs for a few hundred dollars that we'd already done, maybe three to five hundred dollar jobs. So at the end of the day, it looked like we made like a thousand dollars on Sunday, and it was just me in the building. That worked out really nice throughout the month of, the rest of the month of October. 
the rest of the month of December, but all the way through December, all this was like that. I would come in, I would do my thing. Now the guy that the assistant manager brought in, he would come in and he would start doing the oil changes. And then I would literally just handle the business up front, which is what it was supposed to be. And I was able to push out a few of those bigger jobs that we left from Saturday and told the customers to pick them up on Sunday. And then we would come in there and I would average somewhere around $1,000 a day on Sunday. Now, this group of managers that we had, myself and the other two, we were in a very good position and we had a very efficient shop. But to explain it to you quickly, without going overboard, never remind myself where I'm at, I'm in between October and December because this is where this new company had taken over and they had set up a slightly different metric in order to judge the efficiency of the management and give us our bonus. We had a whole series of questions that customers had to fill out on a, um, on a survey and we would be ranked as far as efficiency, quality of the work, um, the customer service, and the most important one that we focused on was speed. We got our work done quickly. As soon as it was done, we called up the customer and got them out of there. We would sometimes, in order to enhance our ability to make that speed number look good, what we would do is we would actually tell the customer that the job was gonna take longer than they expected. And then we would know that the guys in the shop would finish it faster. And so we looked like superheroes when we got it done. We told them, hey, it's gonna take like three hours in order to get it done. And then we would call them in an hour and be like, well, how about that? Our guy was able to get to it faster and you're done. You don't have to think about it anymore. We looked like heroes. And they constantly gave us very, very high marks on speed. And it became one of our things. I don't know what other shops were doing as far as speed was concerned, but I know that our number was excellent. Considering the fact that the metric that they had set up was a zero to 10. And our rating for speed was 9.6 to 9.7 most of the time. We were very, very efficient. We were getting the customers in and out. And they were always happy with what we did. Now January comes about, and this is where my dream starts to turn into a bit of a nightmare. Like I said, I'm not gonna go too deep into situations, but in order to elaborate a little bit on this, I have to go into this a little bit more detail than I did the other stuff. We're in January now. Me and the other managers have been rocking and rolling, and we were really doing a solid job as far as our, our speed goes. We were really hitting our metric on speed. All of our other numbers were in the eights as well, but we were very, very fast, and we got our cars out quickly. And come January, the district manager had been getting complaints from one of the assistant managers at another store and he was complaining this assistant manager was complaining he was going to quit because his travel was too far and so the district manager went to me and said hey we 
I have something for you. I want you to move to this store. He told me it's like 40 minutes away. And his explanation to me was, well, typically most people have to travel around an hour to get to their job anyway. And I asked him, why do you want me to leave? And he explained to me what I had already said, that this guy was traveling a little bit farther. He had like a 45-minute trip, and to the shop that I was at, it was going to make it 20. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, is this guy crazy? I think I told him that I literally live a mile and a half away from the shop. It takes me less than five minutes. If I hit every light, it will still take me about six minutes to get to the shop from my house and that's if i hit every light if i if i get to go through them all i could i've gotten there as fast as within four minutes from the house <laughs> yeah i know i timed it but what you're asking me to do is cut my five minute trip to a 45 minute trip so that some other guy can turn his half his 45 minute trip to a 20 minute trip i told him you must be crazy. And then he said something that made me laugh. He said, well, if you don't want to leave, you're going to have to go down from assistant manager to just a regular shop guy. And I'm like, you're, you're out of your mind. And I said, you know what? Let me think about it. Because now what you're asking me to do is go 45 minutes away from my house changing my deal that I had originally made that I was working under because no other assistant manager or manager for that matter came in at 9 o'clock when I did nobody did, it was just me it was a me thing, I came in at 9 and left at, five, at 6 I stayed till 8.30 with the other managers I told them they could leave because I was so close, I didn't mind opening up the shop because I was really close give you a true example of just how close I was when I had to make the nightly deposit, at the end of the night, the shop was closed, everything was off, we were at the door by 6, 10-ish, give or take. I would take the deposit to the bank after leaving and locking the doors of the shop at 6, 10. I would take the deposit to the bank and I would still be home by 6, 25, meaning that it was 15 minutes from the second I took my first step out of the shop till I got back home after making the deposit. Think about that. And now you're telling me I have to go 45 minutes away. I had to really think about whether or not I was going to do this because it really didn't make any sense. The practicality of me going 45 minutes away, it was almost such a deal breaker to the point where I could have just done myself a, a service and just said you know what I'm not going to step down I'm just going to step out I should have just uh, in my mind I was like, I, I'll just quit before I go to the place because it doesn't make any sense but I took him up on his offer and I told my farewell said my farewells to my guys that were there and I went to the other shop 45 minutes away now day one at this new shop I brought my toolbox, was in my truck, and I was going to evaluate the situation because now I'm a lot farther away. I don't know any of these people. I'm not leaving my tools in the shop. I might bring a bag full of stuff if I want to work on some things here or there. I walk in, and I the first thing I do is 
I look around and I say hello to the people, but even before that, I make a beeline directly to the computer that's in the shop. And I look at the speed and the efficiency of the shop. Now mind you, the one I just left was 9.6 to 9.7, pretty regular. You were getting stuff out of it. I go to this shop and the first thing I see is, now this is January, their speed is 6.7, which is almost three whole points less than my shop. So these people are slow getting stuff out. And because I was the person who essentially was the shop manager, the person who had the most, uh, I guess you could say, credentials for working in the shop, they would they focused me as the person to actually be the, the shop runner, the person who dealt with um, getting the parts together, making a lot of the sales. Not that the others didn't in my the shop that I was already at, but that was part of what I did because I could sell it a little bit better because I had the ASEs and I had the inspection license and I could give them a little bit more, not necessarily detailed, but I guess you could say I had the credentials behind me. And when I looked at that 6.7, when I computer, I'm like, boy, these guys are terrible as far as speed. Their other numbers were in the mid sevens. I'm like, hmm. This is not a good place. So they took me from a good situation where my numbers are high to the place where this stuff is low. And so I said, okay, we're going to see what we can do with this. And I looked at a couple guys sitting there not really doing anything. And I asked this guy, well, what's going on? What are you doing with this car here? He goes, I'm doing this, doing this. All right. I waited maybe 10 minutes and he hadn't moved and there was nothing going on. So I called him again. Like, you, know, you haven't touched it. What's going on? It's been 10 minutes. And he says, well, I, I'm taking my time. I'm like, we can't do that. We need to get this car out of here. This guy proceeded to say, well, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I'm like, okay, fine. I go to the store manager and I tell him, what's this guy's deal? I came from a store where we got stuff in and out. There's no reason why this car should be in here for an oil change. I've been in the building for 10 minutes, and he was working on this before I got here. I looked at the computer. There's no pre-sale for anything. This is just here for an oil change. It should be gone. <laughs> you got to tell this guy he's got to get this thing out of here. And the store manager, a little lackadaisical, kind of looked at me like, eh, okay, let me go and eat sort of drug himself out there, told the kid to move it out, and he finally did. And then I got a hold of another ticket that came in, and I saw next to me there were like three or four jobs that were waiting. Now, mind you, this is day one of me in this new shop seeing three or four jobs, and now I'm going through what those jobs were and why they were on my hook, on the hooks next to me, and I discovered that of those three or four jobs, Two of them were done. Done. They shouldn't have been out in the shop. They were completed. So I took them. I called the customer up. I told the customer, come pick up your stuff. It's done. Off the phone. Took it up to the front. Took the other two jobs that were sitting there. Handed them off to those other two guys that were slow doing their work. I said, come on. Get these things done. Get them out of here. And that kid who initially had the attitude with me was like, ah. 
I don't really want to do it right now. Well, no, you don't want to do it. You go home. <laughs> this guy's going to work. If you're not going to work, I don't need you. And then I told the store manager, oh, if this guy's going to be a slug, he needs to go. And I continued to put pressure on him for the rest of that day. And sure enough, the third day, this guy was out of there. He was gone because he wasn't doing any good. Now, the other guys saw that I wasn't messing around. I want jobs done. I want them efficiently done. And I want to move forward. Because in order to make the shop look good, in order for my bonus to get better, especially since I'm traveling 45 minutes away, which is a lot farther, and it's a lot more gas, I need my bonus to be a lot better. <laughs> and so I was able to get the point across to these guys and they became a little more efficient. Strike that. A lot more efficient. Within a week, they started hammering away at jobs and they started working out and doing things a lot better. Now, one of the other guys that's in the shop was a very talented kid. really was. And I had worked with four or five master decks prior to working with this company. And I saw a lot of the traits of how this kid was working that mirrored all the master techs that I had worked with previously. Where the other guys in the shop for this company were just sort of like, here we are. We're going to just get things done and we're going to move on. This kid was really interested in how the vehicles came together. He wanted to not just put the parts in the car. He wanted to know why it was he wanted to know exactly what was going wrong with the thing. He wanted to dive deeper into it. He wanted to not just say, okay, I got this thing fixed. He wanted to be able to explain why he had to do what he had to do. And I took a lot of interest in this kid. And whenever I could help him, I, I helped him because I could see the potential in him. Now, as far as the store manager, he was very lackadaisical. And fortunately... He gave me the reins. He let me do my thing in the shop. And I was able to control the back end. The other assistant manager was simply writing up the jobs. The customer comes in, I want oil change. He wrote the ticket, he gave it to me. I then priced it out and then gave it and made the phone call. And I personally was the one who was communicating with the customer from that point on. The other assistant manager was nothing more than, in my opinion, was a great guy great guy but as far as the sales went he was terrible absolutely terrible and I didn't want him to mess with anything in my shop because if he touched it it was going to mess it up case in point he had a situation where a customer had come in on his day off and I was back in the shop customer had tried to put an axle in his own car a customer messed up the axle so bad fortunately for him he didn't crack the the um the transmission when he was hammering his axle in but he put it in wrong so the point where it was jammed and he couldn't get it out and he couldn't drive it so the tow truck had to drop it off knowing that i had an ASC in steering and suspension and understood how that was supposed to work i took a good look at it and evaluated that he has created more work for my guy 
and the guy that was going to do the job wasn't the one that I thought could become a master tech, but he was a fairly good mechanic, and it wasn't not with it out. It wasn't out of his um, level of expertise in order to fix this axle. And I looked at it, and I told him, man, this is not going to be easy. Normally, the job was going to take, would have charged, would have been a two-hour job in order to do the axle. But I'm going to charge him up for four hours, because I think it could take you a little while to get this axle out. I'm going to be able to order it, but and you're going to be able to put the new one back in. It's going to be a problem, but it's getting that old one out because of how he messed it up getting it in. It just, it was such a bad job that that guy had done. I commend him for the effort, but if he had done any worse, he could have destroyed his transmission. But fortunately for him, he just messed up the axle. Put it in, so he put it in horribly. So now I priced out this ticket and charged this guy an extra two hours of labor because for my expertise, I know it's going to take a little bit more. I watched and I came close and gave a hand for a couple things he needed me to help pull on the axle to, in order to make sure he could get it out. It took him a while in order to get it out. It was mostly just the fight to get the axle out. By the time the part came and by the time he put the axle in correctly, now I had billed this customer for four hours or the labor and then the price of the ticket, the whole thing came out to about $500, $600. It was more than what it was. It, it, the job should have been like free and I was charging them somewhere between five and 600 because of the labor, because of the extra work. Now, the time that I had set up because the kid had to do an alignment on the vehicle because he had to take all the suspension components apart. It was a fairly decent ticket. Like I said, it was a four or 500. It was somewhere between six, five to $600. And it took this guy four and a half, four and three quarters, almost four hours and 45 minutes in order to do this. He was at this half a day, this one job. And he, I commend him. He did a great job. He did. And this was going to be beneficial to his money in order, as far as his money was going. This was a good job for him and for the shop. Now, I was able to continue my deal and come in at nine o'clock. So when I come in, and I look at my sales tickets, because I like to see when things have left, that actual job was finished and was gone. The assistant manager, nice guy, had called the customer, told him it was done before I got there, and saw the price and said, wow, an actual shouldn't cost that much to put in. He removed all of my labor, not even just the regular labor for the job, but he took it all out. He turned that five to six hundred dollar job into a one hundred dollar and change job. Essentially, taking all the work that that guy had done on that axle to get it out to fix what that got, the owner of the car had messed up, and he threw it away. He completely made this guy's work totally useless, and he didn't pay him essentially right for it. The guy got away with paying one hundred and. $130 for something that should cost him within $600. It was insane. I took it ultimately so personal, I actually walked out the door. I left for the day. I just couldn't handle it because he just completely went around it. And I told him to 
from now on, don't ever change my tickets. Because I have it set up for a reason. I know what was going on. First of all, I have the expertise again. Second of all, I was physically there when the car came in on the tow truck. <laughs> don't mess with it. If I, What you need to know is, you need to just simply ring out the customer. Whatever I say and they agree to, all you have to do is take the money. That's it. That's all. I'll do the rest in the back. You just stay up front and be the figurehead. I'll actually get the work done. And I left for the day and I came back and got my head back about me and I was feeling better. <laughs> but I still was at a point where this shop was wearing on me and I had to leave. In my mind, it just wasn't working out. Again, remember how I told you that Thursdays were late night. Now, normally, back at the other shop, I would be able to close the doors at 8.30. I would then be able to take the deposit to the bank and get back home by quarter to nine. I would be home by 9.45 at the latest. <laughs> Sometimes, again, if I didn't hit the lights, I could actually be home by 9.40. And here I am at the shop. It's 8.30. We shut everything down. And there was a little extra going on because some things were backwards and didn't quite go the way it needed it to. And fortunately, I didn't take the deposits because I wasn't going to do it because I had such a law of travel. I said, you guys do the deposits. And they did them. And I didn't have to do it because I was traveling the longest distance at this point. I drove home. I got caught in traffic. I walked through the door, and it's 10.30. 10.30. It took me two hours to get home because of traffic. I was done. I was done. I then, that next day, went back to the shop that I had originally started at, went out into the shop, said hi to the managers that I had talked to, and the other guy who was there, he was there, I didn't really pay him any attention. I didn't really care. But essentially, he took my easy gimmick and he made it much more difficult. And I went back there to my guys in the shop. I sat down on the alignment rack. Had a couple of my guys come up to me when I was there. I made the phone call to the district manager and I said these words exactly. This is how this phone call went. I called them up and I said, as of Right now, I am resigning from the shop as assistant manager. I will deliver the keys. Now, this is Friday. To the shop on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. Now, the district manager came to me and said, Oh, you can't do that. I need the keys, and I reiterated again. I am resigning from the shop as of right now. I will deliver the keys at 9 o'clock on Saturday. And he says, you can't do it like that. And then I told him, well, you didn't give me any choice as opposed to being a manager 
you said I was going to go step down if I didn't go to this place. So I'm not giving you a choice as far as how I'm leaving. This is how it's going to work. I'm going to, as of right now, I'm going to resign from the shop and I'm going to deliver the keys at 9 o'clock on Saturday. And he was extremely mad. And the people who were with me, because I had him on speakerphone, <laughs> they heard him. I then said, this is how it's going to go. You didn't give me a choice. I'm not giving you one. And then he growled and cried and was all mad. And then I hung up the phone. I proceeded to do exactly as I said. I delivered the keys to the shop at 9 o'clock on that Saturday. I had had enough. It was just over. It was done. I was done. The experience of having to to go 45 minutes away and have to deal with the crazy person that I had to start off with, the assistant manager who didn't know what he was doing, who I had to try to be a crutch for, the store manager who was weak and essentially wasn't very good at all. I kind of understood why they wanted me to move there, and this is pure speculation, but it's my speculation. Based on the manager's performance and the fact that they had already moved the manager from my store to him since the time I had been there, that they put me in position to run that store. At the end of the day, that's what I was doing. I was making it much better place. I had the influence in order to get rid of the bad employee. I maintained a higher standard than they had had. Now, like I said before, that speed rate that we were working on, that zero to 10 at my shop before was between nine, five and nine, six. We kept it going. We were really efficient nine, seven at getting cars out. And when I had gotten there, it was a whole three points less at this new shop that I was at, at 6.7. Now, mind you, I got there in January, at, and it was 6.7. When I officially left, it was in March, closer to Easter. So I had only been in the shop for two months. And in two months, with my influence, I was able to make that speed rate go from 6.7 all the way up to 8.7. I moved the needle two whole points just for me being there making those phone calls making those guys work making the whole thing more efficient I had moved the needle two whole points my presence alone and I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much because I'll hurt myself but I know that that was the X factor I know it was because had I not been the way that I was there would not have been so much as a change at all. In fact, it might have regressed <laughs> because the store manager started caring less and started doing less. The assistant manager was adjusting bills that he shouldn't have been. And the guys in the shop, they weren't being motivated. And I was able to motivate the guys in the shop. I was able to maintain that the other system manager can just be essentially a figurehead sitting in the front 
He looked like he knew what he was doing, even though he didn't. And the store manager, eventually, in my opinion, was going to be gone. It was inevitable, I believe. And I was probably going to be the guy who took his place because of the way that I was running. Whew, my goodness. My goodness. My goodness. But one last story about that assistant manager. Like I said, he was a great guy, but he just didn't know what he was doing. And he didn't understand the capabilities. And that's what was different about me. I was a, you could almost say that, almost like a coach. Like I was evaluating what I had. And I knew that if I knew what I was working with, I could then make up the difference and allow them to do what they do best and avoid the things that they don't do best. Kind of like a good football coach. If you know that your quarterback is an excellent leader of coverages and can see what's going on, but he's not really fast, you're going to make sure he's a pocket passer and you're going to keep him in the pocket. You're going to make sure that you're not going to call bootlegs so he has to run out to get outside of the pocket. You're going to keep him three, five, seven step drops, let him look down the field, have three or four different reads, and let him check down to the guy he wants to go. You're not going to run him in the lead option so he has to run the ball when he can't run for nothing. You're not going to do that. I evaluated the guys I had in the shop. At that particular shop, I had one guy who was useless who got into the bleeding. I had one guy who was a pretty good mechanic, but he just needed somebody to push him. And then I had a third guy who I wish I knew who he was, where he was right now because I can only imagine that he has gotten eight ASEs and has had five years of experience and is now a master tech because he had that kind of ability. And I wish only the best for him. But now the final story about this assistant manager. Um, this is why he needed to stay up front. A guy came in and he was having a major electrical issue. Going back to the fact that I knew what I was working with, the people in my shop. Now that kid who was a master, who, was, who I thought could become master tech, if I gave him two, three days with this car that came in that had, that this assistant manager said, oh, we'll have a look at it. It had an, a major electrical issue. I know if I gave it to this master tech kid and let him work on this for two, three days, he would have been able to troubleshoot it and find the problem. Between him and me, we could have worked it out. I'm not a master tech. I'm not the best at electrical diodes. And I'm never going to say that I am. It's out of my wheelhouse. Steering and suspension is what I do. I can do some stuff with engines. I can work with that. I'm not going to diagnose an electrical issue. I'm not going to do it. And this guy was about to bring this car in the shop. And I took one look at it. And... He's like, oh, yeah, we'll look at it. And I was trying to be suggestive without being rude to him because I liked the guy. I respected him, but he just didn't know what he was doing when he came to the shop. And I was up to him, and I was next to him, and I was with the customer who was in my shop who I didn't really like it, especially when it comes to diagnostic stuff. I walked up to the assistant manager, and I said, in the presence of this customer with the electrical issue in his car, and I said to him a true statement. You know, my daughters really like that movie, Frozen. They love it. 
He loved those two princesses. And their favorite song from that movie is Let It Go, Let It Go. And I was trying to give my assistant manager, who was with me, the subtle hint that we need to get this thing out of there. Because if we got it, we would never get rid of it, and the customer would be upset. So I kept going. Yep, frozen. Let it go. Let it go. Fortunately, he then walked up to the front, and... I was able to finish up the rest of the day and get this car out. On that note, I'm going to call it a day. Main event is over. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, it's time for the Spear of the Week. Only one person could possibly be the Spear of the Week. Based on the episode that I've just done, it has to be that district manager. That jerk wanted me to leave a five-minute commute and turn it into a 45-minute commute. Nah, I'm spearing him through a table. No doubt. No doubt. Spear of the Week, that district manager who made that very poor decision, in my opinion. Okay, everyone. I'm about to close up this show. Thank you for allowing me to keep your attention for this long. I kind of thought it was it might be a little bit of a longer episode, and this is exactly why I couldn't have made it a part of story number 10, which is coming up soon. But it had to have its own episode. You know where to find me. Instagram, Philip Henderson 5102 or Twitter, at Phil 2Ls. I'm not going to hold you much longer. I'm going to go directly to the words of wisdom for this episode. And it just so happens that I think that these words of wisdom, they definitely fit me and I listen to them. And I actually got these words of wisdom around the time that I was working at this particular shop. So I listened to them. And hopefully you will too if you find yourself in that same position that I found myself in. The husband of the lady who did our daycare for our children, Mr. Kevin Graves, his wife Sandy Graves, who is the person who did the daycare. Now, her husband, Kevin, told me this, and I'll always remember it, and I'm going to keep it in my mind forever, and I'm going to tell everybody who will listen to me to understand these words. If you're the smartest person in the room, leave the room. And it turned out, in that shop, once they moved me from the close place, to the farther away place, I became the smartest person in the room. So the only choice I had was to leave because there was no gain for me. I wasn't going to better myself. Yes, I could help some people, and yes, I did. Quite a few people who were in the shop. But as far as my own benefit, my own gain, I had to leave the room. Remember, Kevin Graves said this to me, and I'm saying it to you. If you're the smartest person in the room, leave the room. On that note, this has been The Lip, and I am Phil. Talk to you next time.